It's time for Sweaty Upper, Upper Lip, where girls talk about sports, tailor-made for girls. The ladies edition. Hello and welcome to the Sweaty Upper Lip. You're listening to Money here, your host and in studio with me today. I've got Taylor and Peter. Taylor's our little uh, tennis expo, uh, expert, I should say. Expo, what am I about? <laughs> expert, I should say. She brings it. She does. Well, you heard us in our prep, so you can just imagine what she's going to be ready, like for I'm our ready show. to learn. Yeah. No, I just have played tennis probably my whole life. And I also got a scholarship to Division One NCAA school over in America for tennis. Ooh. So I got to play tennis and get a degree. And then at the start of the year, I got to work in the media team at the Oz Open. So I've got a lot of tennis background. <laughs> Girl knows what's up. Yeah. I anyway. played tennis for like a hot second when yeah. I was, I think... Eight or nine. I feel like we all did that back then. <laughs> Do you normally like when a big Grand Slam event is on? So when like Oz Open, French Open, and there's a lot of media coverage. Do you like just feel very? I don't know. Like, do you feel passionate that you actually want to play and improve? Oh yeah. When I watch like Aussie Open, I kind of go into wee fit mode, like <laughs> wee sports, <mode>. <laughs> wee tennis. Yeah, wee <laughs> tennis, AO, and um, I actually like. I'm playing and I get excited by it and you yeah. kind of think, well, why didn't I continue that when I was younger? Mm. But actually, I'm going to blame it on my coach. He went overseas and was like, guys, I'll let you know when I get back. And he never let never you know. Got back. He never let you know. See, I was lucky enough. Like, I, well, I played four hours a day at college. That's pretty It was big. really intense because winning's everything over there. Oofed. But um, when I've got back, like, I've just been a little bit busy and I didn't make it. Obviously, as a professional athlete, I'm 5'1 midget, so <laughs> wasn't going to help. But I just feel um, when, like, Oz Open and all those, like, big events come on for tennis I'm like whoa I, I like I'm just so inspired. excited yeah, excited just to hit the courts so I text all my tennis friends I'm like let's go 1pm <laughs> now let's actually get talking about the tennis not just about our experiences now shall we yep. the Australian Open obviously happened at the start of this year for anyone that lives under a rock mm-hmm. um, played here in Melbourne of course yep, it's our biggest it's one of the biggest sporting events in Australia so we're very lucky to actually call it our own mm. um, and this year we were also very lucky because Melbourne Park has gone through some renovations yeah so um, we've got new facility facilities for all the players. Like we've got the new gym. Um, so all under Rod Laver Arena has been renovated. So the players got access to like new catering um, services, um, new change rooms. Um, so yeah, so it was just awesome to have that. Were there any Aussies that sort of surprised you? Obviously in the Australian Open, I know there's a lot of talk with um, Bolt in the men's draw and Ash Barty in the female draw for Australia. They really sort of the ones that surprised everyone the most. But besides them, was there anybody else or were you just jumping on the bandwagon like everybody else? No, like I think especially this year, we've got a massive pool of Aussie talent coming through. And I just think that's super exciting, especially because we've had a bit of a drought recently and... Like now, we haven't really had a drought. Had I think we've just sort of relied on Sam Stosa and Gavrilova for so long. And we relied long. a lot on Bernard Tommy. Yeah, in the Curios. men's draw. Well, However, now yeah, we've got so many Aussie athletes coming up. We had Astra Sharma. She's um, one of my personal favourites. She actually she went through to the third round in the Australian Open, I think, by memory. She actually um, no, she was she two? That was Kim Birrell. We'll oh, get, we'll my touch bad. On that Wrong after. one. But she um, won all her. She actually won qualifying um, against someone that she probably shouldn't have 
beaten. She won her first round of the Oz Open, which is huge, especially because she was a college athlete, so she went and played college, and then she's only been on the pro circuit for a year now since her college experience ended. Um, and then she also played mixed doubles with an Australian, and they got to the finals of the mixed doubles, which is massive, a huge achievement. It was the first time they were playing together, and I just think she did amazing, especially I think it was her second Grand Slam ever, or if, if I'm wrong, I think it was first. How old is she? She's only 23 years old. Yeah, that's huge. And she played, um, so she played on the college circuit for like four, 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 four to five years at Vanderbilt in Tennessee, and then after she graduated, she went on to the pro circuit, and now is absolutely incredible and since then she got to the, her first final um, of a WTA tournament Bogata a few weeks ago which is a 250k one which was amazing so I think she was a standout I also think Kim Burrell as I um, said, she made it through to the third round, third round which of everybody Open. was sort of in shock about. She's only young. I think she she's was so young. I think she's 21. Uh, oh, I thought she was even younger, like 19, 18, but um, close enough. So, yeah, yeah, quite young. So good on her. But yeah, good on her. It, it, the good thing about her is because she's so young, it allows her to grow. Um, and the more games that she gets under her belt, the better she's going to be. And that's, that's so good right now with Australian tennis in the female draws that all the girls are sort of under that 25 age bracket within close enough anyway. So, you know, there's hope for the Aussies. And she was gorgeous. Like, I got to meet her and I just think she was gorgeous. And there was one special moment. So I was actually underground um, of... Yeah, I was, I, was, I was near Margaret Court. She had just won her second round and there was a massive cheer squad of her friends and family just waiting underneath. Every time she played, they all followed her. They it was did. The thing. So she walked in and everyone was like, K-I-M, <laughs> and they had a massive cheer for her and it was an incredible moment and I was, I was so glad I got to experience that. And I just think... There's big things for her future, especially in the tennis world. We'll move over to the men's draw. And obviously, Bolt and Demonor were the ones that sort of stood out and went a lot further than a lot of people sort of anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you sort of see them going in the future? I think Alex Bolt, uh, no, Alex Demonor um, at the moment, I think he's just cracked top 30. So in the French Open, he should be he should be um, around, he'll be seated pretty highly. I think or so. Low seats. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just think he's young as well. And I just think he's so determined. Every match he plays, you can just see the determination um, on his face and he runs down every single ball. He had a disappointing loss um, during the Oz Open, but I just think he's still young. Give him a few more years and he'll be hanging with the, probably the top 10 players. Just quickly before we move over to the French Open, the Australian Open obviously this year at, um, got new media coverage, new deal for... Well, this season yeah, so and ge- the next couple yeah. of years as well, moving over from seven to nine. How did you guys find that coverage? Were you happy with the nine's coverage and the commentators or you think well, you sh- they should have just stayed the same? To be honest, I think Channel 7 did an incredible job with hosting it. However, I think also nine has definitely picked up on it and, yeah, I reckon they've transformed it as well. Like you were saying before that it was a big legacy, I think, for Seven to leave behind. So Nine came into it guns blazing. And as someone who's not necessarily across the world of sport, but I am across the world of communications, I think they did a fantastic job. I think just by making it a really inclusive, like, summer of tennis with the whole, like, extension of the events that were happening and the sponsors that they had were a little more 
up the ante, like they were more serious and direct sponsors. Like, you know, they had like Lululemon and not the standard, like, it's just about wine. They and mix alcohol. it up. I yeah. really liked also how they kind of portrayed the tennis to a younger audience as yeah. well. Yeah. Especially that was good. with the inclusion of the music festival. The concerts were incredible. They were so smart. And I, I also think because they went to, like, I think it was only nine o'clock to 10 o'clock, they would then, like, the people who would attend those events would then kind of waffle in and actually watch yeah. night tennis because on Red Laver in, like, Garden Square, and I, I, I think that was It great. was a beautiful setting, and people were really getting across it social media-wise. Like, there was a lot of engagement, mm. and, um, so, yeah, I just think it was really exciting. We can all agree that they did well. Yeah, they did do so well. So the next couple of years, the pressure's on to keep it at that high standard. Now, the Australian Open's the only Open at the moment that has equal pay for the men's and female draw. I know Taylor's now looked away. She's not sort of happy about that. No, I am happy. I think it's incredible. Like, I think tennis is the only sport where... But where, it doesn't no, happen at every other Open, no, which is the issue. No, but I think tennis issue. is the only sport where women and men are equal. They get the same media they com- coverage, yep. the same sponsors. So I really think, especially for, like, the big bash for cricket, for the AFL women's, I really think they should just look at tennis and how tennis has developed mm. and really just take notes from that. But why do you think, you know, the Wimbledon, French Open, the American Open, why haven't they followed the Australian Open's footsteps to make it equal pay? Well, I think one step at a time. Yeah, <laughs> To I have agree, the Australian Open um, equal pay, is in, it's amazing. And I definitely think it is deserved because both athletes, well, men and women, work just as hard during the year. They're both travelling away from their family, from their homes. Like, yeah, they're so, playing on the professional circuit, so how which long- is mentally and physically tough. How long is it? How long do we have to wait and, and see for every other open to follow that to have equal pay? Is it going to be another few, another four to years? five years, ten yeah. years, or I think if never, a few <laughs> years, um, and then they'll happen. I just don't think it can happen all at once. As someone who's not so across it, I wasn't even aware that Australian Open was paying both female and male um, athletes the same. It so was a big controversy thing was. when it first came out. Right. Just and then do you know anything about, like, the men's had a best of five? In a Grand Slam, men's yeah. best of five, whereas women only best of three. So is there, like, outrage? There was outrage kind men, of just because, because they're like, oh, yeah. we play longer, we play But harder. then the good thing about it was there were some high-class male athletes that were supporting cool. to get the females the same right, which I thought mm. was so good to see, like, backing each other in, which is great. Breaking but, it up, yeah. though, do they get paid... The same amount per, like, position that you end in? Yeah, or so do they pay certain amounts per set that you play? No, no. no so you play... Um, per win, I think. Yeah, right. no, you pay um, yeah, every round you win. Yeah. It's the same amount. It's the same amount. And cool. I think, like... And the same was, amount if you lose, too. Yeah, this year, <laughs> I'll tell you a cool little fun statistic. Off the top of my head, could be slightly wrong, give or take a few, a few thousands, but first round loser of the Oz, Oz Open got 72 grand. Hello... Or seventy five between that between that between that but it was um but yeah I just think that was incredible especially yeah. for the young ones that actually made it through qualies they actually have money to get to the next open yeah <laughs> but do you know also who I think was a standout especially in the women's draw um, at the Oz Open have you heard of Danielle Collins the American it was her second maybe third Grand Slam she got to the semifinals and it was really funny like at the start of the tournament. Um, no one, not even the media, um, organised any interviews with her because she was definitely an underdog. And then all of a sudden, she got to the semifinals, doubled her prize money 
in like in just that one tournament. Um, and it was incredible. She moved up the rankings. And I feel like every amazing. Open, there's so many underdogs. Like the French Open's only a week away. Well, yeah, today. And there's going to be that many underdogs going into it. I know a lot of people sort of backing, you know, the big players because they've played that many tournaments and they've won so many, you know, Grand Slams. I know the the king of clay, if anyone that has no idea who that is, it's Rafael Nadal. He's won that many French Opens that he's become the king of it. You know, obviously they're all going to back them in. I'd back him in too, 100%. But there are so many other players that have had outstanding, you know, seasons of tennis for the last couple of years that they still go into underdogs, into open. So, you know, if we look at the French Open, as much as, you know, I think Nadal's going to win and Alden Djokovic, one of the two, I don't think Federer will do it. I don't think he's sort of ever done really well on clay. But, you know, that Tissipas that I have no idea how to pronounce his name, I do apologise. Tissipas, <laughs> something like that, yeah. You meet Roger Federer. He, um, open. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you have to sort of give him a bit of credit and, you know, he's he was the underdog of the Aussie Open. He's 100% going into French Open underdog. So there's a, a lot of them coming through. There's the Dominic Team, I think his name is. He's another underdog coming into the French Open. He plays really well on clay. So who, who, about, who do you um, think? Underdogs, we've got um, Thansi Kokinakis. He's actually coming back onto the tour. Last year... He struggled with his shoulder injury. He, yeah, he's been He out went out of the Aussie it. Open this year because... Or he pulled out halfway through a game because of his shoulder. So... He hasn't been on for the him, it's his injury that sort of struggled, that sort of kept him back from. But when he was in his form just potential. before he did his shoulder injury, he actually had an incredible win against Roger Federer in 2018. And that was the American Open, wasn't it? It was Miami. Oh, I'm Miami. Sure. Um, and then, so he got that win, then he got injured, and then ever since then, it's been like a roller coaster on um, how to get your shoulder better. Well, but I just you... think he's an underdog of, yeah, exactly. of the Australians. He hasn't been playing. For the Australians going into the French Open, though, who, if any of them were to win it, who would you say would be the one to get close to it? Ash Barty. Definitely. For the females? Yeah, she's she's top. She, I, I love her. She is awesome. And I think... She's always been good, but the difference this year, especially in the Australian Open, you could just say, like, normally she is very bubbly, like, around everyone, but this year she was determined to win. She went out there and she had one goal, to win. So I think she was obviously disappointed after a semi-final loss, um, but I think give her a few years, maybe even towards the end of this year, and I think she'll, be she'll definitely make a Grand Slam final. But if we we'll- Go to the French Open, though. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. In the men's draw for the Aussies, who do you reckon will get, you know, deeper into the tournament? I think Alex Demina. Mm. 100%. I, I agree with him. Who would your tips be for the French Open, Mrs. Expert? <laughs> for Australians? For the, well, for anyone in general for the French Open. Look, Nadal is king of clay. However, he's had a very roller coaster of a year. Last week, he won his first um, title. Of this year, which is huge. Normally he wins also title e- after title. He's equal now with Djokovic, 34 titles. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he won his, the Italian Open. So that is a great confidence boost, especially leading up to the French Open. He always um, pulls out the guns. But I reckon Novak Djokovic, world number one, I don't think you can go past him. And with the female, you went with Ash. No, female said for Australians. For Australia, okay, but it was Ash Barty. But for general? females, I think it's a little bit. It's up in the air for me, especially because out of the last twenty-two um, tournaments on the pro circuit, we've had I think around nineteen different winners. So we actually haven't had anyone winning consistently. But I think can Osaka look, go back to back? 
She's already been back to back. She had back to back to back, back to back to back. But do you want? I mean, back to back for this year. I really want to see Petra Kvitova win. Yeah. She um she lost. She went down in a very emotional final at the Australian Open. Um, I was very disappointed with her. They both had amazing stories. Like obviously, I wanted Naomi to win because I think she was robbed a little bit of that win on the US Open with Serena Williams, like that whole saga. And then coming into the Oz Open, I really think she deserved to win and have a proper win. But also Petra Kvitova. Do you know much about Petra? No, I don't. So a few years back, she, she was, actually, was almost going to walk away from tennis because I think she was. So she was robbed, mm. and we had there was an intruder yes, in, and he I actually broke and she in. got stabbed by memory. Yeah, she I think. put her hand out, her left hand up, out, and then or left or right hand out, um, the hand. Um, yeah. Anyway, the guy actually like her fingers all got like cut. Oh. So she wasn't and sliced. So she wasn't actually, um, look, there wasn't, it was disappointing for her because she thought her career was over. Mm. And then the fact that she, like, I don't know, she overcame that trauma. Um, she got back onto the pro circuit. She got to a Grand Slam final. I really think there should be a fairy tale. Was for that her. her first Grand Slam final since the incident? Yeah. Yeah, huge. Now, I should just mention um, for anyone that is sort of offended by what we've just spoken about, you can call Lifeline on 13, 11, 14. Um, but we'll move over really quickly to Nick Kyrgios before we get to our little Nick break. Kyrgios. So, he, so Nick Kyrgios has been. I think like, we. It, it's sort of getting to a point now is. where it's a bit weird if you don't talk about him. No, true. Okay, and he was a great tennis player, and my emphasis was there because he right he made, now to, I is, think he made top sixteen. I think he was sixteenth um, at his career best. Right now, though. I think he's an embarrassment to Australia. You what was this recent scandal about? Because okay. I usually uh, two days ago yeah, on Thursday. Here we go. Here I'm coming in. Mute. Here I'm coming in. She's coming in hot. I actually watched this a little bit um, of footage. So I was watching the game and it was, look, I don't even know where it came from. Was it just a so, qualifier? What was no, it? No, no. So it was just a tournament leading up to the French Open. Um, so he was playing. I can't remember who he was playing, but um, he, he won the first set. Um, it was pretty and close. Then lost the second, and, and then Tucker's a tantrum. No, so he was two-one um, down in the third, mm. which is anyone's game. Like mm. anyone can win on that. Like it's so close. Like it's head to head on serve, and then he just chucked a tantrum. He threw his drink bottle, then threw a chair across the court, and then walked off the court, which is an automatic he left default. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, walked off the court, automatic default. And people are saying that if he actually stayed on the court, and even if he didn't win, he could have been ranked, he, he could have been seeded for the French Open. Low low seeds, but still seeded. And I think being a seed is definitely an advantage. It saves you taking on the bigger guys until later on in the you tournament. Know, tournament. allows you to get closer and closer. But You don't even know I just typed down what does seeding mean. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that for the Teach Me segment. But... What can Australia do to help him? To be honest, is I, there anything that we can do, or is it best for him to leave the game altogether? I think. Can I just say, look, he's got the talent. I just think he needs to work. He needs to just work on his mentality. And there's a debate on the tour whether he should be banned or fined. And I'm pretty sure Federer actually came out being like, look, he like he should get definitely like um, points deducted from him, but he shouldn't be banned. From playing, because and like I know it's also it's it's disappointing to see as an Australian because he is representing Australia, 
but I just think he has got a few mental issues. Well, not mental issues, but he's battling um, mentality. But should yeah, we? Sh- but should we help him sure. though, or, for, or should we just continue to wait for him to finally announce that he needs help? Look, like when Hewitt was back in the day, it's getting ridiculous. I know, but when Hewitt was back in the day, when he was young, he was very fiery. Um, and but he never he was never like this though. He was never like this. I this know, is just extreme. I think though I, look to be honest I think we should support him. Um however I feel like a lot of people are sick of him because yep. it, he just goes again and again and again and like I'm he, sorry he I'm 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 over Nick Curios. I really to also am. take into consideration he is quite young and but, like I also understand from the perspective of being kind of like this his very egocentric personality for him to have these hits now against his yeah his public persona and his reputation i think it makes it even harder for him to ever like want to confess and say i've stuffed up i need some help i need to work on this i must say though i did read just before the show that he went on actually a twitter and instagram rant Lovely. and actually said the french open was ridiculous and pointless or something along the lines of Then why is he playing tennis like, for? Why is he being a part now. of the, yeah. the thing for? But can I just also... Remove yourself from the open. Remove yourself say, from the tournament and mm-hmm. give someone that actually deserves to be there, actually wants to play tennis, a go. Give them the right, not him. Continuously, it, it, it honestly bugs me how much he's... Behavior is getting to the. It's just getting ridiculous. If you don't want to be there, if you've come out and said it's pointless, don't be there. Give yeah, somebody else a go. If true. you need help, seek help. It's like I, it sounds so simple and cliche because you don't know the situation is in, and mm. I get that. But after a while, you'd think Australian T- Tennis Association, whoever you they may be, can step in and be like, okay, let's help you because yes, you were a great tennis player, and he was a gun. He proved his talent. You know, he just. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, And for be all those listening <laughs> who are battling um, just with their mental state, um, please call Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636. And can I just say, Nick, he's a great player. He just needs to get himself right. And he's I a great. Really I just think he needs a break. Just, he needs a break from the mm. tour. Well, then take the break. So no one's going to be against that, though. I know, but there's so many pressures playing on a professional like, just on a professional plate. Like, his whole life is looked at in the public eye. He's now got the pressure of all these younger Aussie athletes taking over. I'm going to have which a controversial He's been number one. Oh, him question. and Tommy were number one in two By all means, years. darling, before we get to a break, what is yeah, it? Yeah, controversial question. Do you think it was he was too young to have the limelight put on him? No. I don't think he was too young. I just think... He, he needs a bit of a break at he the moment. He didn't have the correct support then, mm. is what I'm uh, saying, and now he has no it's support. It's behavioural. Yeah. It's just a habit. Yeah. yeah. All right. On that note, we're going to get to a quick break, and then we'll be back with our Teach Me segment. You are listening to Sweaty Upper Lip. We'll be back after this short break with Sweaty Upper Lip. You're listening to The Ladies' Edition. Well, welcome back to Sweaty Upper Lip. We are talking tennis uh, on our third sport. episode, <laughs> we've it? got expert, obviously, in Taylor, if you haven't already noticed that. Um, and Peter's here to ask us questions for our Teach yeah, Me Peter's segment. Peter's here too. She doesn't talk much, but she's here. <laughs> but we value <laughs> your opinion, much. darling. We value your thanks, opinion. Thanks, man. Um, now, it is time for our Teach Me segment. It's where we get people in to ask us questions about the sport. Anything, you know, can be basic things all the way to very technical things, of When course. you edit this, can you put, like, the... Um, Millionaire soundtrack in the background, so it's or like 
some intense stuff. So I'll try I my best. Question and I'll try my best. It's oh, really and it's heavy. Like, and then we have buzzers. And yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Are oh, you God. ready? I'm All right. Ready so, Bring on the first question. Okay, apologies if I sound so dumb, but you know my history with tennis. You're Very not dumb, brave. darling. You're not thank dumb. You, oh, my God. You. No question is a silly question. You should know that because the amount of questions I've asked Moni is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. We'll agree on that one. <laughs> all right, okay. go. So, in, in speaking about terminology, all right, so we know when we're scoring in a game of tennis, there's a cheeky terminology called love, which is when we're zero, I'm zero. So, I'm so proud Sorry you about this it. question. Thank you, I wanted to. And we've also got a cheeky deuce. That sounds juice. like juice. Oh, okay. It, it, is, it is pronounced D-E- juice. It's D-E-U-C-E. I like to say deuce because then I don't want It sounds to like when you I'm play we juice. and they go deuce. And I'm like, yeah. That's anyway, we do. That's so these two words in particular, they're quite, they're quite weird, right? If you separate mm-hmm. them from... 15, 30, 30, 40. A bit random. So let's talk about the origination. Origination isn't a word. Is it? The origins, thank you, of love and juice. Look, to be honest, I think we've got love, juice and advantage. Um, just because Advantage makes sense, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But I also think tennis is such a traditional sport. I think they've used it also. Like, remember, like, in Wimbledon, they wear all white. It's so prestigious. Which is so good. Do they do that? That's yeah. cute. Uh, that's the only open where they have to wear precisely all white. All white. Because they played on the grass courts. Adorable. So I just there was one. Like... Just quickly, I just remember this. There was one player that actually got a fine because she could see her bra was being, like, oh, pink or something. And it wasn't right. white. Anyway, that. that's a side note. <laughs> but go. But talking about that, I don't think she should have been allowed. Yeah, no, it's, it's silly. Just because mm. it's under she still had a, and she still had a white breast. Yeah, exactly. She still had a white dress exactly. on. Exactly. Anyway, back to your question. Before I get fired up about that <laughs> feminism, of course, um, Ooh, feminist issue. Back to your question. I'm pretty sure that they use the words juice, advantage, um, and love, just because like love. For those who don't know, it's like zero. Um, I just all. I just think, look. It's it's a traditional it's traditional and I just think um, it's juice been is French. For, yeah, it's been around for a few years. Um, it was actually the game was played in the medieval France. That's why um, it's yeah. called yeah. That's why it's a French okay, word for juice. So they're just using French juice. Words. Yeah, pretty much. Juice is just another way of saying you're on the equal amount of points. Forty yeah, forty. Yeah. So you just say juice. Yeah, I like can't I've say equal, but what it yeah. means. But I just wanted to know. You know what, what it needs from? to be changed to fifteen nil. I like the word nil. Nil instead. Of, you know. Yeah, bring in the soccer terms. Be mm. nil. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Next question. So what are the differences between doubles matches and singles matches? Well, doubles is you play with a partner. Other so than we, that. Oh, okay. Let's talk. So we've got mixed doubles, as in we've got... Um, male sorry, and female. Male and female. Yes. Then we've got women's doubles, which is two females. Obviously. Men's doubles, two males. But doubles, you share the prize money if you win. Cute. So singles and doubles are very differentiated, so they're very different. So we've got, uh, like, a player has a singles ranking and a doubles ranking. Um. Players can be better in singles or doubles. They can choose what sport. For example, the Bryan brothers. Mm. Um, They're really, really, really good at um, doubles. They don't necessarily play singles, and they just focus on doubles. Are the rules different? People are... There's not really rules that are different. The court is used in a different way. Obviously, Mm. when in the singles, you're not allowed to use sort of the tram lines that are Mm. sort of at the end of the court, you could say. Um, In doubles, you can. On the side of court, that's it. Um, Whereas in doubles, you can. Um, 
Yeah. And I just think the difference in a tournament is the prize money is split. Normally the prize money for doubles is lower than the singles. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Why is that? What's that? Um, What's up with that? Why does singles get the limelight and doubles doesn't? Purely because it's sort of a... Originally, tennis was always like a one-on-one kind of thing. And so singles have always had the, the spotlight. You want to see the greatest tennis player. You don't want to see, like, the team. And that's why singles have always been promoted more. And obviously, there's a lot more money involved because there's only one player. So you want to see their accomplishment. Whereas with the doubles, like, there's two players. So mm. there's more talent. And more, you can always, well, you can always is, um, like change doubles partners if it's not working. For example, Ashley Barty. Boy, we love her. Um, she's now playing. You she's, love her. I love her. But everyone loves her. She's a little Aussie. What was the Vegemite slogan with her? I don't even know. I don't like Vegemite. It, it was really good. They they advertised her with Vegemite and it was just awesome during the Oz Open. But she's now playing with Victoria Azarenka, which is amazing. Victoria Azarenka, she used to be, I think, number one in the yeah, world. She's a for a bit. Um, for a bit. She then had a baby. Um, she then also had a, uh, it, was, it was a really sad custody battle. So she wasn't actually allowed to leave the US. So she had a bit of time off. She's now come back. Obviously, she's not at like at her she, peak, but she's still yeah, playing. Yeah, not at peak, tennis. but she's still playing, and I think she's now focusing a lot on doubles. But people kind of consider doubles to be easier. Yeah, because there's always your backup, and really. you've also got instead you've got of dealing the pressure with yourself. Yeah, instead of dealing with the pressure yourself, you got someone who and can back you. And I guess you run less in doubles. Yeah, but it's still it's that's still true. Hard. Mm. Yeah, you, yeah, but it's still it's still really hard. Like I don't think. Oh yeah, I don't. The problem with doubles, doubles though is, is you need to be able to communicate with your partner, mm. and that's where some people sort of struggle because obviously tennis has always been a one player thing. So when they go in singles, like they don't have to worry about anything. Has on it the court. like were the origins in France? Because we know that you know medieval France, obviously, <laughs> one hundred and one. We know that it originated there. Was it singles or were doubles around just as long? Do we know? Doubles, um, for the first sort of couple of tournaments, rounds, were just singles and then doubles came in not long after it. But cool. singles was the main thing. All right, next question. Qualifiers. Glad that one was over. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually sweating. Oh, oh <laughs> Taylor was looking at me like, <laughs> you <Ba-ba>. got this. <laughs> so how do qualifiers work? Chat me through it. I had a reasoning for it, but I'm clearly wrong. So Mm, Taylor's going to give you the correct (laughs) answer. So qualies are, so normally... um, Qualies. The real terminology. Oh, yeah, qualies. Um, Normally leading up to a massive tournament, there's a lot of people that actually apply to get in. Yes. And not everyone can make it in. No. Yeah. Limited spots. So, for example, if it's a 64 draw, Mm. right, and 84 people... Oh, yeah. Have applied. So 64 draw means we're only allowing 64, 64 people to play. Okay, cool. And 84 people have applied. They're going to most likely do qualities. So it allows, like, the last few, like, the last spots. I don't know how many, maybe 10, 20, uh, give or take. But the last spots is kind of then a little mini tournament before the actual so main So are draw. there certain players who just get in? If you're a seeded player, so if you're normally in the top, I think it's... Top 60? <laughs> Top right, 60. In, okay. Are we talking about uh, Grand Slams? We'll talk about Grand Slams yeah. is the main thing that everybody watches. If you're in the top 60, I think you get... No, if you're a seeded player, it's the top 30, I think yeah. it is. Seeded so are like top 30, but... They automatically get in and they get 
separated in the draw. So what happens is the first and second right. player will be on two different sets of yeah. the draw, and then third and fourth obviously go down, and then people jump in but from it's there. 120 yeah. That way they allow the top seed players not to verse each other. Yeah, yeah. But it's 120. It's Which 120 is what you want to draw. So I think um, the last 20 spots. Um, that those applicants are then put into another pool and it's like a little mini tournament mm. before the main tournament and if they win through, they get in. Do they get any money in qualifiers? No. No. Okay. No, they don't. But they get a lot of money once they're in the tournament anyway, so... Even enough. if they lose. Oh, they do. They, gets, they, they, they get, might get a little bit of money in the qualifiers. They it's just better than get, nothing, though. They won't get... As like as much as winning a main draw match. Yeah, but hey, like seventy five grand's all right if you lose. <laughs> I'm all right with that. You said I know I'm losing. <laughs> <but> hello, <laughs> there was like, against Maria Sharapova. I can't remember who it was, but she was on the court for like twenty two minutes. She won Rude. two qualies and then Rude. got seventy five grand. I was like, Whoa. fair enough. No, that's that's but like twenty two minutes to get through the qualies. Like good on her. Well, for twenty two minutes of work. Mate, I'd do that too. Yeah, that's like <laughs> the best grand. shift ever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we just chatted about seats. Yeah, that was another one of my questions. So seats are just like reserved seeds. spots. Seeds. Seats. Seeds. Seeds. S-W-E-D-S. Oh. So like a seed a for seed a plant. Is like, for example, so in terms of being a seed like and a, in terms of ranking, oh, this all... This, this is where Taylor's going to yeah. give us the difference. Go. Love it, this love is it. all about ranking. Mm. So... They're, like uh, there's thousands of players that actually play in the world, and to di- differentiate them and to allow the best players to compete against each other, it's called a ranking. So when you play tournament after tournament after tournament, if you get to a certain round, you get a certain amount of points. Every tournament is different compared on compared like insane. So like if like yeah, how tough they are and how big the prize like pool is. So then every year. You like it's kind of like a refresh. So you keep those points until that tournament comes back. For example, the Australian Open this year, Danielle Collins, she won. She got through to the semifinals. She got a certain amount of points. She'll keep those points, so they'll be added to her ranking, like the overall, until next Australian Open. So she'll have to go back next Australian Open, and hopefully, if she wants to defend those points, she'll hopefully get to the semifinals. Otherwise, if she doesn't make the semifinals, she'll then, and she makes quarterfinals, she'll get those points for the quarterfinals, which is obviously less than than the semifinals. So the deeper you go into tournaments, the more points you get, the mm. more ranking points. So, so what does you, that, that have then to al- That will then allow you, that's what I'm getting to, that will then allow you to go further up the ranking ladder. And when you get into that sort of top 30 pool, if your ranking is, say, you know, 22, you're classified a seeded player. And then when it comes to big tournaments, if you're in that top 30, so you like automatically you're get pushed planted. You, you're automatically, you, you, yeah, exactly. That's a great way of putting it. Talking about Metaphors. plans, but yeah, that's that's how it comes out to be. Cool. That you get automatic acts. I mean, entry into it. And so yeah. the points are all so points are like really important. Yeah, let's like try points. The points are like you want points leading up to these big events because you want to get a really high ranking because then you don't meet then a seeded or a really high-ranking player until later in the draw. Mm, like even though like more money. Yeah, but even though it's anyone's game, and, like, for example, a colleague could beat Novak Djokovic and, like, vice versa, it's just, I don't know, it's... it's People just distinguish <laughs> higher seeds will make it further into the tournament. Let's put it this way. The higher the points you get... The easier your run is into the final, yes, because you do because not want to wait until the end. Like the top one, mm. like 
player in the first yeah. round because you're going to bomb out. Yeah. But but I must say, seeds don't really like like yeah, it's great being a seed, but it's anyone's game. Exactly, exactly. There are a lot of underdogs in tennis. Do you mm. have any more questions for Taylor? Uh tennis and Australia. <laughs> tennis yes. Australia. This is all you, babe. What is it? How do you get into it? And then what do they do for you? Okay, Tennis Australia, it's like our, uh, like it's the, well, it's kind of like, it's it's our home of tennis in Australia. So Tennis Australia is like, obviously, they're out of Melbourne Park, but there's also Tennis Australia in Adelaide um, and like all over the place. But it's a massive organisation that's there to help the development of our like young Aussie players as well as I, they're, they're there for support, they help like our yeah, they help with everything. We run tournaments. Do they help with like finding coaches for players and training and things? Yeah, so like that? to be honest, like there's a lot of coaches that are part of Tennis Australia, um, and also a lot of Australian athletes travel with Tennis Australia. So they're kind of just there, like as a support system. Then why aren't our they helping Nick Kyrgios? They, they would. Can I just say? I'm they, sorry, I went there. I, they would I did, be helping but Nick Kyrgios. Then why isn't he still tucking tantrums in? Because I think they can Chucky offer their help, it, by the way. but he might not just be listening, or he might not want them. Okay. For example, Tennis Australia helping Alex Dimina. Tennis Australia helping uh, Tennis Australia helping um, Jordan Thompson. Um, who else? Uh, Alex Bolt, who are being coached by the ATP um, Davis Cup coach uh, Jamon Crab. Um, and he actually travels with them to and from tournaments, which That's good, Tennis though. Australia, I believe, would be kind of helping fund that a little bit, mm-hmm. just because there are hopes for Australia. Does mm-hmm. Tennis Australia take from, I guess, the players that they're kind of supporting and, in a way, sponsoring? So, tennis, it all works. It's even when you're a young kid, you play all these tournaments. If you're really good and, like, I don't know, and tennis, the high people up in Tennis Australia think you're going to be really good, they'll then take you under your wing, give you advice, and like vice versa. So so it's good. Tennis Australia, great, and we definitely need them. We love them. Okay. We back them. We back, yeah. I think my question time is done. You pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say, you definitely put me under pressure. I? Yeah. Oh, I was like, where me. are these questions coming from? Just being an observation, um, in observation, I think you guys know what's up. In the wow, we're getting a bit fiery yeah. there. Loved it. Taylor I was like, Tennis Australia is great. Ah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, ladies, for joining me on this episode talking about tennis. We spoke about the Australian Open. We previewed the French Open, of course, uh, which will be starting next week. You can cross watch that, of course. Get your whites out. No, that's Wimbledon. That's yeah. Wimbledon, darling. <laughs> French Open, we're going to the clay court. So you're going to need a lot of towels to rub off the clay, off your shoes or your clothes. I don't oh, know. You I get orange. One last question. Yeah. Now we're talking about clay courts. So there's a few different courts. Talk me through different courts and like the skills you need to, I guess, kill each one. Okay. So we've got clay. Yeah. So with clay, look, you kind of need to be able to slide. That's definitely a skill you need because Which hurts your ankles. Mm. Yeah. Because when you slide, it's just quicker to get to the ball, and you also reserve a bit of energy as well. So that's a massive key for grass courts. I'm trying to quickly summarise this because I know we're about time on this is about to end. But grass court, a strength is serve and volley, especially because people like to serve and volley because it's a quicker game and also it catches the players by surprise and it's advantage being at the net. Um, And also 
what happens on grass when a ball bounces? Not so it drops. Mm. So that's why people want to catch it in the air mm. um, to avoid that. Then hard court, it's very quick. The, it, the balls bounce very high up, so you really need to step in um, and, and hit the ball as soon as it bounces. Um, but, yeah, and also grass court slice. We do love to slice. Yeah, kind of like it's just different. So the good thing about the tournaments is Australian Open's played on a hard court. Is that right, yep. Tay? Then you've got French Open on clay, the Wimbledon's on grass. Yep. And then... We've got US Open on um, hard court And that's as well. intentional so that players it can... Gives Everybody, versatile. yeah, yeah, because normally, like the European players, really love they love the clay. They've grown up on clay. Whereas Australian players, we've got a different type of clay, but we're norm- we normally grow up on hard court. Mm. Whereas so it for, makes yeah. all players sort of somewhat equal. When Americans they get to love like I went to college in America, <laughs> and all we played on was hard court. Mm. Mm. So it kind of just yeah, it it kind of just mixes it up. For example. That's why Rafael Nadal is called King of Clay. Because mm. he just knows how to be the dominates. master of water. Absolutely dominate. Of the French Open. Thanks, guys. Perfect. Okay, so, yeah, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, next week we are going to be having a chat with a VFLW's player, uh, one of my good friends. So do tune in next week for that interview. Um, Taylor will be joining me for that one. Uh, but thank you, guys. Appreciate it.